It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Monday morning, the 8th of August. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, review of emergency department services at Our Ladies Hospital in Nabon is supposedly underway. It's a review that was supposed to have begun its work in the last two weeks. So what do we know about this review? Well, now, this is the curious bit. We know that we have been told that work on this review began in the last two weeks by people unknown, or unknown to us anyway. Uh, We've been asking who they are. We asked the HSE and we asked the Department of Health, but nobody seems to be able to say. So, as we understand it, a review into emergency department services at Our Lady's Hospital in Navan began in the last two weeks. The review is being conducted by people unknown. And then the real mind-boggling bit about all of this is it seems that nobody knows what the reviewers are doing or what they are meant to be doing. The job spec, if you like, is spelled out in the so-called terms of reference. Two weeks ago, Minister Helen McEntee said she had seen the terms of reference, but then last week she told us she hadn't actually seen the terms for the review. It was a draft version of the terms, as they had not yet been agreed. Helen McEntee seems only too willing to tell us what she knows about what's going on, but there is nonetheless a vacuum of information. So much so that we are reporting today that a review of emergency department services in Our Lady's Hospital in Navan began sometime in the last two weeks. It is being carried out by people unknown and nobody can say what it is they are doing. I know. A spokesperson for the Minister for Health has failed to give us any additional information. Stephen Donnelly has not accepted our repeated requests for an interview. The HSE has fallen silent. Nobody can or will speak to us about the review of hospital services in Navan. 
on Friday I asked Helen McEntee about this veil of secrecy. We know Stephen Donnelly put a gagging order on the HSE in June and I asked the Minister if it is her understanding that a second gagging order has now been placed on the HSE. So no, it's absolutely not. Um, And as I said to you, I I had seen a draft version of the the terms of reference. Um, I had said last week that I personally had no issue with and I had no other, no reason to believe that the Minister or others would have any issue with publishing the terms of reference. Helen McEntee speaking to us on Friday. The Minister also told us uh, that she expects these terms of reference to be published sometime this week. And I'm afraid that's all the information we can offer you this morning because somebody somewhere doesn't want us to give you any more information. It seems, I'm afraid, that the spin doctors are at work and are trying very hard to manage this story. And fair play, they appear to be doing a good job if a lack of information is the objective. Let's speak to Sinn Féin TD for me, these Darren O'Rourke, who's on the line. A very good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. I know that you've been looking for information uh, quite vigorously so over the last couple of weeks uh, as well. Have you fared any better than LMFM? No, I, I haven't, Michael, and it is really a, an incredible situation. Um, I, I had been on to the minister and to the HSE, the head of the HSE, Paul Reid. Um, I can confirm, despite repeated efforts, I have got zero, no response back from the Minister for Health, which is uh, incredible. And the only response I got back from the HSE was to say that I would have a response by the 22nd of August. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, everything that, that you have said there, Michael, I think it's, you know, it, it is uh, a debacle, it's a farce, it's insulting to people. Um, I think, you know, it, it's it's not how, how good governance or good government should be done. Um, and I think it's it's completely unacceptable. Um, I think we, we, we say that a lot in relation to a lot of things, but uh, the idea that the very future of the services at Navin Hospital, which is patently clear that the people of Mead hold very, very dear to them, um, that they have voiced their their support for the hospital, that they have done it on the streets of Navin on repeated occasions, regardless of where you, you stand in relation to what the future should look like. Um, I think it's an absolute insult, uh, above insults, uh, to, to, to keep people in the dark and to treat them in this way. And uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely disgraceful. Um, and, you know, I, I did hear Minister McEntee on Friday, and I have to say, as the most senior politician in the county, as somebody with a seat at the Cabinet table, um, it was quite clear that she didn't have the answers to, to quite fundamental questions in terms of um, how this review was was going, um, if it was going at all, what the terms of reference were, who the people on the 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 the, the review were, um, and I and I think central to it is, and uh, you know, I, I noticed the minister said that the review was going to address what's needed, uh, and the question to me was, what's needed for what? What's needed to to close the A and E as as is the HSE's want, or is this? what's needed to protect and enhance and address address the the risks at, at Navin Hospital. So I think there are absolutely fundamental questions to be to be answered here and I think it's a, 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 of deep deep concern that we haven't heard uh, 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 answers to those questions yet and and I think that undermines the the very process itself. Okay. Um just to explain to me if you will uh, could a review like this 
get underway without the terms of reference being agreed, without everybody understanding what the job spec is? So, so my understanding in terms of the approach, the, the review couldn't get underway without terms of reference being agreed. But it is possible, and sometimes it is the case, that the the people who are appointed to conduct the review uh, work together to agree the terms of reference. But the but the review isn't underway at that stage. The review isn't underway. The work isn't underway until the terms of reference mm. are agreed. So we, we, we seem well, to the have... Thir- the third week in July, a spokesperson for the minister told us it was underway. We got in touch with the HSE and they said, no, it's not underway yet. Uh, it'll be underway next week, which would have been the last week in July. Now we're hearing uh, that the terms of reference will be published sometime this week. Uh, and the minister was uh, very... Uh, clear that she didn't know if that meant Monday or Friday or Wednesday, as the case may be. Uh, And I I think it's pretty obvious uh, that this work couldn't have got underway. Work on the terms of reference may may have got underway, but work on the review couldn't have got underway because the terms of reference weren't agreed. Absolutely. And and, and also bear in mind that one thing we have clarity on is that this review is to be reported by the time the doll resumes in, in September. Now, September is three weeks away. Now, you know, uh, if, if this is going to be in any way comprehensive, anything other than a tick-the-box desktop um, uh, uh, review, it, it's going to need considerable time. It's going to need time to, to do its work. And I would, I would be concerned that if it's the case that terms of reference aren't fit to be published yet that the, the, the review team, and I don't know who's on it, I'd certainly be interested to find that out uh, or how they were appointed. Um, they will literally have three or four weeks to, to, to get their work together, five maybe at, at most. Um, I would be very concerned about the type of review that can be conducted in that type of time frame. And it would lead me to, to suspect that it's not going to be the a, a comprehensive review and that it is going to be and this is my deep concern in relation to all of this Michael and I didn't hear anything from Minister McEntee on, on Friday to contradict this position that the review will only be about how to deliver in the quickest way and the and, and safest way deliver on the HSE's already agreed approach. And that is not acceptable, will not be acceptable to me or to Sinn Féin or I believe the vast majority of people in County Meath. What we want to do is see, recognise the risk at Navin Hospital and how it can be addressed. And there are other ways to address that risk. And one of them, which we have consistently pointed to, is by investing and enhancing services at Navin Hospital. And if that's not part of the review, well, then the review can go straight in the bin. Okay. Well, when we spoke to to the Minister the week before last, uh, she said eight weeks, so seven weeks last week, six weeks this week. The doll resumes on the 14th of September uh, and it should be concluded in or around then. uh, But then very quickly we'll be going into the discussions uh, about the budget and obviously this will be lost in all of those discussions. Absolutely. And, and look, the, the deep concern uh, in relation, and look, there's a, there's a formula in relation to this, Michael. We know this from speaking to, to colleagues around the country who have lost A&E services, who have lost hospital services. They say time and again 
be careful of the summertime. Be careful of the summertime because that's the time where, uh, you know, the, the, the media and fair play to yourselves, Michael, you haven't let this off the radar, but, you know, people are away on holidays, officials are away on holidays, um, uh, that, that um, these things can be uh, kind of brought in under the radar and that the changes that the HSE are intending to make can be done far more discreetly or without the type of public attention that they would have during a, a dull sitting session or, or when, when people are, are well engaged. And uh, uh, that, that appears to be the case uh, here. We, well, well, it remains to be seen, but you could certainly put two and two together and draw the conclusion that that is what's happening here, that we have a, a, what, what the HSE had hoped was that they could conduct a desktop re- review, um, tick the box, give the impression that they had they had gone back and reviewed their own position, but deliver a fait accompli. And, and I think you know the the, the 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 level of scrutiny that is there would would uh, would would give rise to, to real concern that that is what ha- what's happening. Because when the scrutiny is there, when the questions are asked. The HSE, the Department of Health, the Minister for Health have shown themselves completely incapable. And I include our local ministers as well. In fairness, uh, uh, Minister McEntee was on the radio. I haven't heard from, from our other ministers, Minister English or Minister Bourne, in relation to this. Um, they should be seeking the same information as, as I'm seeking and, and, and Johnny Gork and others mm. are seeking in relation to this, as, as are yourselves. Mm. Michael, and and as, as you said, it is uh, the height of the summer, so people are on holidays on and off over the course of the weeks. And I think as people have been available, generally they've made themselves available to us and that's possibly not always the case, uh, but there is uh, definitely some holiday yeah, cover there that needs to be no, mentioned. No, Can- I, but but I, but I make this I make this point. Uh, 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 whilst people, whilst individuals may be on holidays and might be available to present to you their mm. offices, the the office of the minister for you know for for European affairs or for mm. enterprise or, the, you know, their, their constituency operation, it doesn't stop. It doesn't park up for, for, for six weeks. It, it works in, in fairness to all politicians, I would say that. The, the, the operation, the office, can, so, so they're fit to make representations. Okay, well, we... we, we if you, I'm not sure if you agree, but I, I think they're going to hit a, a brick wall. It, it was quite incredible, I thought, to hear a government minister, a member of the cabinet speaking on Friday about her local hospital uh, and had so little information. Uh, I don't think uh, that uh, the minister kept anything from people and wants people to be informed, uh, but I think she could only give us the information that she had received and she didn't know who was involved in carrying out this review uh, and she thought that the terms of reference were going to be published this week. Uh, but, what information are, are you expecting to get on the 22nd of August? But, 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 but let me make this point, Michael, in relation to, to Minister McEntee on Friday. She, I, I heard a lot in, in terms of the, you know, my understanding is, I assume, I presume. What I didn't hear is that this is completely unacceptable, that it's disgraceful, that it's an insult to the people of County Mead, that it's a debacle, that it's a farce, that she, you know, I didn't hear any of that. I heard an accept, you know, a, a, a frustration in fairness, but, but no uh, critical challenge of the, the current state of affairs. And that's for the, the most senior politician in the county, a member of government, a member yeah, of... Yeah, I, 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 can, I, I, I agree with you, I have to say, but I, I can't help but think that that's what's going on behind closed doors uh, and that the minister is not going to admonish a, a cabinet colleague on the public airwaves. 
Okay, well, 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 maybe, maybe that is the case. But you know, uh, um, I would like, and I think the people of Mead would like to see uh, some some more of that. Um, and the proof of that frustration, the proof of that effort, will be, you know, would be in the. The, the, the publication of the terms of reference, the, the making available, you know, if, if if the minister and our ministerial colleagues in the county, from the county, were suitably vexed, well, I think we we would be in a, a, a different position here. But but time will tell in mm. relation to that. And, and um, but there's 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 no doubt that there's this story is being managed. Uh, I, I don't know what the objective is, but there's no doubt that it's being managed because basic questions coming from media and coming from members of the Oireachtas are going unanswered. Uh, you asked questions, and you said earlier on you were told you'd get some information on the 22nd of August. What is it you're expecting then? Well, well, I expect, and this is the, this is the way of it, Michael. I expect by the twenty second of August, the information that I get will be in the public domain a week before that. You know, I, I that's that's the, yeah. That's well, the, it, know, and I think I mean I the term. If the terms of reference are to be published this week, yeah, <laughs> that's long before the twenty second, isn't it? It's oh, only no, a fortnight exactly. before the twenty second. Yeah, and I, I, I've been clear in relation yeah. to this, Michael. We have been excluded from these processes. We have been deliberately excluded as an opposition. I understand from speaking to colleagues um, who are around uh, Leinster House a longer time than me that this is a new dispensation, the way that the opposition have been excluded mm. um, c- compared, to, to compare, compared to previous uh, terms. That's the, obviously the way that, that Fianna Fáil It's very different. It's very different in terms of a media perspective as well and people uh, have been listening to this programme for many years and remember if it was 20 years ago or whenever um, that they closed uh, the Dundalk Emergency Department uh, but people were very forthcoming then all of the time all of the local ministers uh, and government party TDs, the Minister for Health Mary Harney at the time. Uh, they were all uh, available. The HSE was available, trying to uh, make the arguments. Uh, and we heard all of the arguments on both sides. Thousands of people marched. It was a big issue. Uh, eventually, uh, a decision was made, uh, but it was done in an open, transparent way. Uh, this seems uh, alien. Uh, oh, I hate to use it, but almost like a, a North Korean approach, because it, it's simply not talking to people. And I, I don't mean uh, this radio station. I mean the people that this radio station broadcasts to, the people of Mead, the people who use the hospital, the people who have been campaigning for the hospital. No, I, absolutely, Michael, and, and that's entirely fair comment, and it's, it is unacceptable uh, in terms of good government and good governance. Uh, you know, communications are supposed to be at the heart of, of of everything. You know, in terms of of you know, regardless. Again, I'll say it, regardless of your position in relation to what the future of Navan Hospital should be, engagement, good communication uh, should be should be at the heart of it. If if the HSE and the Department of Health and Minister want the people to have any confidence in any of these processes or any of the changes that that, that might be coming, and I know the type of change I want to see, it's investment and enhancement of services at, at, at Navin. But it is, um, it is completely belligerent. It's, it's uh, insulting to the people of, of Mead. I think, you know, it's, it, it bodes very badly because to me it says... Um, they're doubling down on a, a on a firm position that they have had. Time will tell in relation to that. But I I think um, it's you know for for want of a better term, it's two fingers to the people of Mead for coming out in their thousands uh, in support of Navan Hospital and in opposition to the HSE's plans. And I think it's insult to injury, really. Uh, is it possible that they're making it up as they go along in that it had all died down to a, a large degree? The minister had said he, he'd paused the procedure 
Uh, nobody was really talking about it. And then we said, well, what's happened since? Uh, and uh, they said, oh, well, a review is taking place. Uh, and that, you know, that review doesn't seem to have begun yet. Uh, and that they're, they're, they're doing it. Uh, they're, 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 they've decided to do a review uh, uh, and are, I don't know, working their way around this to, 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 to get to September at least. Well, well, I I don't know is the answer. But one of the things I would say, Michael, in relation to, to all of this, is the HSE's position has been very clear on where they want to go. They want to close the twenty the yeah. the, the, the A&E and, and replace it with a 24-7 MAU. And, and we heard from Minister McEntee around the different things that she understood that the review was, was going to consider. What we have repeatedly said is, we didn't know where the government st- stood in relation to it, where, where the Minister for Health in particular. And what he has seen to do at every juncture is, and, and, and bear in mind, there is an acknowledged risk at, at, at Navan Hospital in relation to five patients a day who present there. So that needs to be addressed. Um, but what the Minister has done at every hand's turn is dither and delay and kick the can down the road. And whilst you, you might say that's reasonable, to, you know, to, 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 to review the thing to make a decision. But the, the minister is making no decisions in relation to it. Um, now, we have pushed and pushed and will continue to push for the solution that we want, which is investment and enhancement of services at Navan rather than closing the A&E. But the minister is doing neither. Mm. Well, we did ask the minister, and it's this thing of contacting uh, people who work for the minister, if the minister is going to ignore uh, uh, a threat to public health and human life over a period of 10 months by ignoring the risk that was outlined to him last November. Um, the Minister didn't respond to that at all. Yeah, well, well, well uh, he, he is the one I would say, um, and I, I, I don't do personalities, Michael, but he holds the office of the Minister for Health, which is the most senior position, um, and oversees and delivers strategy and change in, in, in our health services, which are so vitally important. He is the one that is most, in my opinion, missing in action in relation to, to, to all of this. And that, that's, that is, you know, completely unacceptable. And, and he, he's elected there on the support of our Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael uh, TDs in our mm. county. And, and so, so they, 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 they bear some of the responsibility okay. in relation to this. Well, uh, I'm sure people are listening uh, to this interview in offices of the HSE and the Department of Health, uh, for that matter. And if uh, the hope is uh, that this will go off the agenda, uh, we hate to disappoint, uh, but we will be returning this to this uh, and this uh, refusal to inform uh, the public over the coming days and weeks. Darren O'Rourke, thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Thanks to John and Drogheda WhatsApping us uh, this morning saying when the review is complete, they'll probably uh, commission a review of the review. Quite possibly, John. Yeah, yeah. Well done. <laughs> thank you indeed uh, for that uh, text to us. Uh, then from Pat, who says it's one of the oldest tricks in the book, politically speaking. The best time to distribute bad news Christmas, Easter, or over the summer holidays, of course. Thank you, Pat. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us so far this morning. Now, let's uh, talk a- about vaping and if it is a gateway to smoking. Researchers at the 
the University of Bristol aren't sure, but what they have discovered is that young people who try e-cigarettes are nearly five times more likely to go on and try cigarettes. Let's speak to John Mallon, who's spokesperson for Forest Ireland, and a very good morning to you, John, and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Does that come as any surprise to you? It does, Michael. A big surprise, and, and thank you for inviting me on. Um, Public Health England had a look at, at a review they did in 200, uh, 2015, and this is a, a latest one, and they say the evidence does not support the concern that these cigarettes are rooting to smoking among young people, and this is in the UK. Uh, youth smoking rates in the UK continue to decline. Regular use is rare and almost entirely confined to those who have smoked. You see, this is a funny thing with research. You can often get get a piece of research paper saying exact opposite to another piece of research, and, and both around the same time. Mm. But it depends on what way you're approaching it, Michael. This is a big thing. Mm. I, I, I'm very um, firmly in favour of e-cigarettes because because I have personal experience of them. I was a heavy smoker, and I used them to, to get off smoking. And having achieved that using the e-cigarette, now it wasn't great, it, was, it still was a very difficult experience, but it was a huge help. And, and having then done that, then the e-cigarettes were really no point. I, I didn't really want e-cigarettes, I wanted, mm. a, I wanted the real thing, and still do from time to time. But it, they were fantastic in, in, in doing that. Now, what, what I was looking at there was harm reduction, tobacco harm reduction, and that, that's what public health should be looking at. Yeah, and well, that was the idea, or we were told, exactly. <laughs> if we were gullible enough to believe it, we were told that was the idea of e-cigarettes, uh, but now they're being used regularly by people who never smoked, uh, and many young people. It's, it's incredible, it's dreadful, isn't it, really, how many young people are, are using e-cigarettes? No, um, it's not dreadful, and there are very, very few. Young people... In, in, oh, they're in, very in, well, I've looked at the figures from this one. They're talking about a 1% increase over a three-year period. That's not huge, but there's, there's an awful lot of research has been done into this. In Australia, for example, um, two academics, Colin Mendelson and, and uh, Wayne Hall, they looked into it, and they said that vaping is more likely to be uh, diverting people away from smoking rather than being a gateway. Uh, and they said there's scant evidence of a so-called youth vape epidemic. But they, they, they do mm. point out that teen smoking is associated with later trying smoking. Yeah, well, I think there's uh, a lot of evidence that there is a, an epidemic of young people using e-cigarettes and that they're vaping regularly and that they're now hooked on nicotine as a result and have a very costly habit, which seems completely unnecessary. And if these are a way of stopping people from smoking and giving them a, a, a nicotine alternative, uh, surely they should be only sold in pharmacists and on prescription. <laughs> well, you see, we already have the, the stuff in pharmacies, and they're not sold on prescription. Um, nicotine is, is available in mm. many forms in pharmacies, uh, prescription-free mm, yeah. and recommended. Um, they, they said, for example, that, that uh, tobacco harm reduction, uh, the p- tobacco harm reduction uh, mm. people in Australia said in areas where abstinence-only approaches are ineffective, which they are, harm reduction is widely practiced in public health. And as an example, they, they, they tell you uh, syringe exchanges, for example, uh, for drug users. Mm. But, but, so but so, so syringes, users. syringes so, don't taste like strawberry or whatever flavours they put in these things to entice people to try them and then they might like the taste and then end up addicted to the nicotine and have no choice but to feed their habit which is a costly thing at such a young age it's really a shame is it not well the other point that's made in several of these studies um is that the adolescents uh, who, who, who try vaping 
would be the same adolescents in the absence of them. In other words, if there was no, no such thing as e-cigarettes, these fellows would be, or these kids would be, would be trying smoking. Um, and, and, and that has always been the case. You and I both know from growing up in Ireland years ago, uh, I started smoking at 14. There, was a, there were some people smoking at 9 and 10 years of age. Yeah, well, that's because they were watching Humphrey Bogart or whatever. <laughs> and and there, there, there wasn't this evidence. Young people are well informed now and they know that smoking kills. So I'm not sure that that argument holds anymore. Well, I, I, I'm quoting uh, the University of California, um, and, and they say that, that, that adolescents uh, have, there are adolescents that would have a predisposition, people, adolescents who, who would try drinking early, who, who would dabble in drugs mm. early, who would dabble in unprotected sex. These are the, these are the kids that, that, would, that would probably also try smoking. There and I, I think the University of Bristol are saying that maybe it's those kids who are trying to eat cigarettes that go on to smoke cigarettes because they're going to try everything. But uh, surely uh, it's logical that you don't put something on the market uh, that people don't need, which is addictive uh, and seems to be targeting young people specifically because of the branding and the tastes and all the things that go with it. Apparently, these disposable ones now are, are very popular with young people because you don't go home with them in your pocket. You throw them away after puffing on the thing all day. Well, that's scaremongering, Michael. I mean, I have no doubt that that, 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 that is the case uh, in, in a few isolated uh, incidents. But is that not a few too many? That's the point. It isn't, it isn't that many. And, and there aren't figures on this. There was, there was according to this, a 1% increase uh, over a period of three years. That, that's a variable. That could have been a 1% decrease. It's not something to be overly concerned about. But the, the reality is that the e-cigarette is, is a, a product designed for smokers to help them quit smoking. That, that was his original intent, mm. and, and that's where 95 96%... They came in very plain packages and didn't have flavours or any of that stuff. Well, they when always they had flavours. And there, there are many smokers, for example, I didn't, but there are many smokers that I know of that have used them to quit, uh, love the flavours. And you can, you can actually uh, order or buy, purchase your e-cigarette without nicotine in it, but just with the flavours. I had a friend of mine that used to love this strawberry-flavoured one, so he continues... He's a strawberry. Strawberries. Eat a strawberry. It's, it's strawberry far, with stra- a pint. Strawberries are, are actually good for you. Eat, eat a strawberry rather than sucking on something and you don't know what you're putting into your body. The, the jury well, you is... Do, you do know. You oh, know there's thousands, there's in, thousands of chemicals in them and the jury... But hang on a tick, Michael. There aren't thousands of chemicals. You're scaremongering, though. The, the, the e-cigarettes in Europe, uh, the EU has mm. them very heavily regulated. What goes into e-cigarettes? Now, there is, I'll acknowledge, a problem in, in that there's just so many of them these days. To test all of them is very difficult. Mm. But there is very, very stringent... That's um, why in the United States, we had a situation over there, they don't regulate them. Mm. So well, we, had kids, we had kids putting drugs in them and killing themselves. Yeah, and, and there's also then the combination of the ingredients... And and it'll take years before anybody knows uh, the real impact that this is having on people's bodies. But you see, the, the argument against smoking has always been the smoke, right? It has always been that, that if, you, if you take tobacco, take any, any natural... Uh, no, I know. I mean, it's the carcinogenic stuff, but it's also the nicotine because it's so addictive. No, but the nicotine is absolutely harmless. Oh, but it's, uh, No, it's not, because it, it ends up uh, in an addiction which is costly. It's absolutely not but harmless. You see, there's, there's all there's, there, addictions like... Well, there's, there's, there's people who are choosing to buy packets of cigarettes today rather than a loaf of bread. We have, we, 
we have golfing wives out there. I mean, you go to ban everything that that's addictive. Addictive isn't in itself. No, golfing right? isn't addictive. Um, I mean, pe- people are golf mad, but it's not an addiction. Well, you see, addiction and habit and strong habit are, are very, very closely linked. Closely linked, but, but they're not the same. I'm going to go down that route with you. If, if being addicted to something that's harmful uh, is where the danger uh, lies. Being addicted to something that isn't harmful, mm. uh, that, 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 and, and given that these yeah. things are actually designed to help people well, to quit. if you have a 100 euro or 200 euro habit a week, there's some harm in that. I think uh, 100 or 200 euro, you joke for me. Listen, I was on, I was on 50 the... 50 I think they were costing me something in the region of 15 to 20 euro a week. That was okay. what it cost. Okay. They're, they're inexpensive. They're mm. far cheaper than the nicotine in the mm. pharmacies. Well, I, 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 I could buy a lot of strawberries for that, John. <laughs> I know, but, 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 but the actual effect of them, they emulate smoking. So you're actually gently easing yourself away from cigarettes. What you or, mean, you or onto them, that is the question. And, and onto these cigarettes. No, or, or, or onto the cigarettes uh, for young people. That's the, one of the questions uh, I think uh, that well, needs uh, to be probed at this stage. Uh, that it has be been, it has been probed, yeah. and it can be ruled out according to several studies I have here in front of me. Okay. Cancer Research UK even uh, said the same thing. We, we had, we had um, uh, very famously, uh, Professor Linda Ball, uh, she, she's the, the author of health policy in the University of Stirling. Okay. Uh, she said concern expressed about e-cigarettes will lead people into smoking. Okay, John, I've run over time. I have to leave it there, but uh, <laughs> I think I think we'll agree to disagree and call it a day. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the programme today. That's uh, John Mallon, spokesperson for Forest Ireland. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, we've been hearing a, a lot uh, about retrofitting homes and heat pumps uh, in recent times. I don't know if you have a heat pump at this stage. If you don't, it's probable that you will have one in the next eight years because uh, the plan is to heat 600,000 homes in this country with heat pumps by 2030. The upshot of that is a 46% increase in uh, the cost of power in this country. That's according to the ESRI. Uh, And the ESRI is saying that the government may need to rethink the policy on how to decarbonise our homes uh, as a result of uh, that increase in cost. Meanwhile, the Micro-Renewable Energy Federation is saying that the government policy is a senseless one. Let's uh, speak to Pat Smith, chairperson of uh, the Micro-Renewable Energy Federation. And a very good morning to you, Pat, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. You represent a sector that offers alternative uh, environmentally friendly ways of creating power and energy. Good morning, Michael, and to your listeners. Um, yes, it, it is um, certainly government policy to um, uh, push uh, heat pumps significantly into the future, um, and the argument being that it's a cheaper way of heating your home. Uh, that argument is certainly um, diluted somewhat when you see the ERSI saying that the cost of energy is going to go up 46%. So our contention in the Micro Renewable Energy Federation is that um, solar PV and battery storage should be supported equally and proportionately to heat pumps so that people installing heat pumps and getting uh, a grant to do so should also get a significant grant to install solar PV and to install battery storage systems so that they can uh, store surface energy generated during the day to discharge at night to, uh, to run their heat pump and equally to recharge the battery in, in the middle of the night on cheap energy to discharge during the day. 
And the government policy, while we're saying there's a degree of senselessness about it, on the one hand, they're promoting heat pumps, but on the other hand, they've uh, declared it as government policy to reduce the supports for solar PV. They've eliminated supports for battery storage already, uh, but to reduce the supports for solar PV for homes and businesses going forward. So okay, but what we're uh, saying is uh, that's contradictory. Okay, I'm not sure I understood you completely. Are you saying that uh, people should use both to heat their homes, that they should have solar energy as well as a heat pump? Yes, the heat pump generates... But is that, is that not uh, an additional cost? Yes, but heat pumps, um, um, the, the, the consumer who puts in a heat pump, their electricity bill will go up significantly. And if they can generate their own electricity using solar PV and battery storage systems, mm. well then, in light of the RSI saying that the cost of electricity is going to go up 46% as a result of the government policy mm. on heat pumps, well okay. then... Uh, uh, by by uh, the home cheaper electricity generating bills. their own yeah. electricity. Okay, but I, I, I thought the risk the, of that forty six percent increase is diminished. I, I thought the idea of a heat pump though was that you would have relatively low energy bills compared to oil or gas or, or something like that. You'd be paying for electricity, obviously, but uh, the bill would be minuscule in comparison. That the real cost uh, is the upfront cost of installing a heat pump. They're, they're very expensive things. Yes, Michael, and I think it all has to play out as to how much more uh, cheaply heat pumps uh, technology is going to be in the future. Mm. If the ARSI is telling us that it's going to push up the cost of energy by 46%, there's nothing for nothing. And anyone who's looking at the ESB bills today and see them at 30 or 40 cents per kilowatt hour, um, certainly the economics of heat pump as opposed to ordinary uh, kerosene, uh, certainly it's narrowed significantly in my opinion. Mm. Okay, and I think there's questions about their efficiency as well, that they're very efficient in some settings, uh, but that doesn't apply to all settings. I think that's a very, uh, very fair comment, uh, Michael. And, um, and I, I, I know of homes who have uh, retro, re- retrofitted with heat pumps um, that um, were, uh, new, were older homes and their electricity bills have gone through the roof. Uh, heat pump technology is great technology, well proven, but it's not for every home. Okay. Uh, well, it's uh, an interesting statement coming from the SRI. I'm sure it'll uh, give uh, the government pause for thought. Uh, we'll leave it there for the moment, Pat, and thank you indeed uh, for making the point that you believe uh, that they should be looking on. The policy is a senseless one. Uh, and thanks uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. Pat Smith, Chairman of the Micro Renewable Energy Federation. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now to Slane. Let's go to local councillor Fianna Falls, Wayne Harding, who's on the line. And a very good morning to you, Wayne. Thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. You asked to speak about the Slane bypass following a fairly serious crash that occurred in the village on Thursday. Yeah, good morning, Michael, and good morning to you, listeners. Um, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, there was a, a fairly serious incident just at the outset. Um, obviously, it, it was a great fight for the driver involved, and I'm sure he wants to move on. And I, I haven't met him, and I don't know who he is. It could have happened to any driver. But the feedback that I got from people who witnessed the incident, it was very quick thinking. Um, he was very brave. He did the right things. And I'm sure somebody might be listening this morning that knows who it was and who it is and um, maybe hears what I'm saying and gives them the compliments because uh, it, it saved serious injury and, and, and possibly lives. Um, 
he had something an issue with his truck going down the hill mm. and, and with the with the system of uh, traffic calming that's on the hill in, in Slane approaching the bridge from the northern the northern uh, side um, there would have been uh, cars stopped at the lights halfway down the hill and uh, a truck A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the inside lane, as, as is the way that traffic calming works, and then and on, oncoming traffic. So he had to mount the footpath, get around what was in front of him, and eventually got his truck to a stop on, on Slane Bridge. Okay. Um, Just it, a it, blessing that nobody was on the footpath apart from anything else. Yeah. And, mm. and, and mm. then his choices would have been reduced and something he would have had to hit something. So, mm. yes, that is exactly right, Mike. And, and uh, have you any idea as to what caused him to lose control? I'm not, I'm not sure, but... Uh, but something went he, wrong and he had to, he had to react. Yeah. Something went wrong and uh, going down the hill in relation to his braking system and um, and he had to act very, very quickly. Okay. And obviously he's an experienced driver and, yeah. and he, he did do well. Well, fair play to him. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, I mean, it's also good that the uh, speed limit is just 30 in the village as well because he couldn't have been going very fast, uh, which uh, would have helped. Absolutely, and and um, he 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 did everything right. He 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 uh, hit the gantries that are that hold the lights on mm. the Mill Hill. He done some damage there. He broke signage, um, so he was on the footpath. You are right, um, and yes, it would have been slow speed. Um, it's it's just it's just something that can happen. Yeah. Uh, it does happen, mm. and you see issues. The, the the people of Slane are witnessing stuff all the time that is near misses mm. and. Um, and thankfully, um, they, both the TII Transport Infrastructure Ireland and Mead County Council are in a position to reapply for the bypass um, the third quarter. So it will be October this year when the, the planning application is lodged. Okay, which will, uh, I'm sure, be very welcome news uh, for people uh, because this is exactly why people have been calling for a, a bypass to keep the trucks out of the village in particular. And I think the story that you tell us this morning, Wayne, 
uh, clearly highlights how difficult it can be to stop a, a truck. It'd be different, I think, if it was a car tra- travelling at uh, 30k or less uh, than a, a truck. Uh, because of the size and weight of it, uh, they're very slow to stop. Uh, and that uh, is uh, part of uh, the, the reason, uh, as I say. Um, but uh, this undoubtedly will be the beginning of a long process, even if that application is made in October. Well, it's 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 in in the middle of a long process. There's been huge, like it's ten years now, putting back together and addressing the reasons for refusal the last time. And um, the council and TA are very confident that they addressed addressed the issues that were raised. And um, I would feel aggrieved as a slain man and 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 a locally elected representative that their own. Um, uh, their, their own inspector um, suggested that it should be put on further information, but then the the, um, the board decided to close it down altogether and refuse. That's that's a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money that that uh, could have been avoided, really. But mm. that's that's in the past. What's there now is that they've worked extremely hard to address the issues that were raised and go back to planning. Mm. And um, but, and but it is back to the drawing board in that sense. Yeah, of course, an o- yeah. of course, an awful lot has happened in between. Uh, because uh, the work that you're talking about is to try and get the planning application right because it obviously wasn't right last time because it was rejected. Uh, Hopefully the work that's being done now will put a a planning uh, uh, application in that will be accepted. Uh, But uh, as I say, it's the beginning of a long process. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that there will be objections. I, I accept that, and it is everybody's right to object uh, to any planning application, as, as you and I both know. Um, but I think that that this will be robust enough to stand up to to those objections, and people are entitled to object. That's correct. But um, we're going back now to get a much needed bypass. And if you if you just there's so much talk about the buying greenway and what it can do, you would be replacing those trucks that we talked about earlier with a greenway with a pedestrian and cycle route into Slane Village. It's a game changer for the Mine Valley. It's it's our last chance, and it has to be delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the destruction of a, a World Heritage site and uh, the last route, uh, which would have I- impacted on uh, the aesthetics of Bruna Boynia? Yeah, the people who have who have. Um, been watching the progress of this latest plan. They've moved well away from um, from the last route uh, to to hide all this uh, to to from the visual impact of the world, mm. uh, the viewshed of the world heritage site. And um, I think that has been fully addressed, and it's it's um, it's it's well moved away from from the buffer zone mm. um, of the world heritage site. Um, not even the core zone. The the the, the Buffer zone is where is is what's in place to protect the world heritage mm. site. This has moved further away again from it. Okay, and it's not just cycleways and uh, pedestrian paths uh, and uh, the aesthetics of uh, the village or near misses. Uh, a lot of lives have been lost in Slaneway. This is why uh, this is such a, a hard fought campaign, and people really do want to see it. But e- even if this application is successful or successful after the objections and so on. Uh, well, then you have a successful planning application. That doesn't deliver a bypass. That's down to the government and government funding. Absolutely, yes, and, and I agree with that. And um, I, I would use Eamon Ryan's own words, the, the Minister for Transport, where he said, and, and he did say um, when there was a capital plan announced that we won't have the money to build all these roads, but we will concentrate on getting um, vehicle movement out of um, uh, towns and cities and villages and and 
I believe that Slane is top of the list in, in, as regards that we are choked with traffic mm. this traffic goes by our national school it has its dangers uh, the gradients that we've just talked about um, it's, it's, it's everything that the Minister is talking about when, when he talks about the ones that should be delivered first Okay, so uh, what's your best hope? As regards in time, uh, when we uh, see uh, the slain bypass. Yeah, exactly. When you'd um, be able to drive I, on a slain bypass and be prohibited from going into slain in a truck. Yeah, well, I, I, can, I can say that in, it would probably be 18 months from October for a decision to be made. And I would think it, it, after that, three, three, between three and five years. Okay. So you're talking seven, and that's the truth. Okay, all right. Uh, worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is another refusal. I can't envisage that. Yeah. I don't see it happening. And um, I think I think we have to... So many people have put so much work into delivering this lane bypass. And, and uh, uh, people say to me all the time, you'll never see it. And the, and the thing is, if you say you'll never see it, you won't. You, mm. won't, you must say you'll see it. And I, I do believe I will see it. Okay, well... And my children. Okay, well, uh, if it's uh, there in uh, eight years' time, um, well, I, th- I think that probably would uh, be remarkable. Uh, but uh, it's a, it'll be what twenty years or so since the campaign started for a bypass. Um, two thousand and one um, was mm. a very, very uh, uh, tough time within the village. A very, very poignant mm. and sad accident. Um, so that's twenty-one years ago. But there was campaigns, and it's been on list for 40 years it's it's well overdue and, and needs to be delivered Okay Listen we leave it there for the moment Wayne Thank, Thank you, you very much for having me Thank, Thank you Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, That's uh, Wayne Harding Fianna Fáil Councillor on Mead County Council possibly bringing some hope uh, to local people in Slane this morning because there really has been a, a lot of energy put into that uh, campaign to deliver a bypass for the village of Slane. Let's uh, bring you some of the comments coming to us uh, today. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch. Jerry, thanks for your call. He says he, he wants to know why fuel prices in Drogheda always seem to be at least 10 cent more per litre than anywhere else in the country. Why is there no way of regulating prices across the country to ensure that everyone gets the fairest possible price? Thanks, Jerry. I certainly can't answer that, but uh, it's an interesting call nonetheless. Johnny says Michael is always so hard on smokers and those who vape he seems to have no time for them at all. Not everyone who smokes is addicted to nicotine, Michael. Some might only have a cigarette once or twice a week or only smoke when they're socialising. It's unfair to paint them all with the same brush. Thanks uh, Johnny too for that. Uh, I'm sorry if I I come across as being hard on smokers. I I think uh, I'd have an awful lot of sympathy for smokers because it really is a very strong addiction. I always remember Alan Carr who uh, some people will be very familiar with. uh, He ended up dying of cancer if I recall correctly but he he got millions of people off cigarettes. uh, The Carr method it's called. And he always spoke uh, about uh, uh, social smokers or or people who have one or two a a week like that. Uh, And uh, he'd have said that they were the most addicted of all, believe it or not, Johnny. And if you do know somebody like that, ask them, can they give up that one or two a week or when they're having a pint or whatever it is? Uh, 
as far as I remember, Alan Carr, uh, one of the experts on smoking and giving up, would have said that that was one of the strongest addictions and one of the hardest habits to give up uh, of all. Much harder, uh, in fact, than someone who's smoking 10, 20 or 40 a day, as the case may be. Uh, Margaret, thank you for your text to the programme uh, this morning. Margaret says, I sincerely hope there is no gagging order put on anyone with regard to the review of the A&E in Our Lady's Hospital after all. We're supposed to live in a democracy with all of the freedoms that go with it. All of these people need to remember it's us, the taxpayer, who paid them. Meath people need the hospital to be treated with more respect. We need the HSE who ran down Our Lady's Hospital to put the services that they took out back into the hospital. Thank you, Margaret, uh, for that. We don't know for certain that there's a gagging order put on the HSE. We do know that there was a gagging order put on the HSE in June. We know that then that gagging order was lifted and the HSE were very forthcoming uh, in making the arguments for closing the emergency department. Uh, They were approaching us quite regularly to ask if we could facilitate them and have somebody on to talk about the hospital. And then it stopped and now nobody's available uh, and uh, we're just asking if there's a gagging order. Uh, We've asked the minister, Stephen Donnelly, he didn't respond. Uh, we asked um, Helen McEntee on Friday, as you heard, and she said, absolutely not. She doesn't think that's the case. But uh, it just does seem remarkable that nobody is talking about this story to you and giving you the information that you're looking for. Uh, somebody else uh, in, t- uh, in touch uh, about retrofitting grants. Do you have to pay for the work you get done before you get a grant? If you had to borrow the money, it could take some time to get the grant. Absolutely. Um, a great question. Uh, I think uh, we'll try to look into that for you. Uh, we'll make uh, contact uh, with SEAI about that for you because uh, when it was being announced, I just don't know offhand, but when it was being announced, there was uh, match funding being made uh, available and there was talk about low interest government grants. So if you went through the process, as I understood it, let's say you were going to get the maximum of 25,000, uh, that you could get a, a loan of 25,000 through a state-sponsored scheme, which would mean that the interest rate was only going to be about 3%, which would make it very affordable, it was thought, for people. So you'd get that loan, plus you'd get the grant of 25000 you'd have 50000 to spend, and you'd have to make the repayments at 3% uh, interest back uh, on your loan. But I would have thought that it would have happened in tandem. The actual mechanics of it, I, I don't remember ever hearing about, but I do remember that when they were talking about making these grants available, that's the way they were suggesting it would be done. Uh, thanks then to somebody who's been whatsapping us about vaping and they say I saw a boy at a bus depot the other day he couldn't have been any more than 12 there he was vaping there were some girls with him a bit older and they were vaping as well. Thank you indeed uh, if you have been in touch with us uh, this morning. A variety of topics uh, that have people getting in touch. If there's something that uh, you'd like to comment on, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, the water in Dundalk or in certain parts of it uh, is... Uh, really rotten looking there's no other way of putting it uh, let's speak uh, to John Sheridan Fianna Fáil councillor good morning John thanks uh, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning you certainly wouldn't uh, drink uh, this brown cloudy muddy water that's coming out of some people's taps certainly not Michael and uh, the picture that I took is from, from Friday evening um, it's, it's up on the LMSM website and social media and honestly you'd actually think it was uh, some form of uh, alternative fear or something like that such as the cloudiness but Unfortunately, it's far more serious than that, Michael. And 
Uh, there's a really serious issue under the lock supply, which stretches into Midlows as well. And I've been contacted by people over the weekend, people maybe caring for family with serious illness, people caring for uh, children and babies. Uh, and it's just not viable uh, in, in, in 2022 that we okay. have this quality of water coming out of that. These people uh, who have vulnerable people in their households, uh, they've been making contact with you uh, to find out what's going on, is it? Or... Yes, it's, it's, had they not been had they, had they not been contacted by Irish Water? Well, I, I know Irish Water have a, have a mechanism for people to register, but ultimately yeah. the last contact public representatives had was uh, the twenty first of July uh, when we received a notice of this flushing program continuing. Mm. Um, in fact, Michael Idway. Well, that's it. I mean, it's a it's a fairly straightforward explanation as to what's happening. Uh, it's maintenance, if you like, but they're flushing out the pipes uh, uh, to make the water better in the future, and this is something that will happen while they're doing that work, but. Uh, they say that they'll contact vulnerable people to make sure that they know in advance and can put alternative uh, arrangements in place. Uh, well, that's that's uh, a mechanism Irish Water have along with with other utilities. But uh, I know in terms of speaking to uh, lots of different people over the over the weekend, ultimately people are going to their taps. They're expecting to see regular water there, uh, and it's it, it's just not there. And the, the the more important point is, Michael, this is the second summer of this happening. Uh, and back in um, back in May of this year, I asked a question at the council meeting because uh, I had information that actually this flushing program um, should be actually ongoing throughout the year. Um, and not being done in one big giant project like this, um, and we got reassurances from from Irish Water that uh, flushing would take place, and uh, and that you know there, there might be slight levels of discoloration, mm. uh, but this was on a mass scale over the weekend. The other point is in areas that are on the schedule to be already completed the yeah. flushing program. Um, it's actually in those areas as well, though it's uh, always right. quality water as well. So okay. th- th- there's obviously something else going astray. And I should say, well, Mike, I've spoken to lots of council staff and Irish water staff locally, uh, and they're doing their best in terms of this programme. I've seen this flushing programme happen uh, personally. You see it on the side of the road, the truck beside it, and the, the water gushing out. Uh, but look at it, unfortunately, um, it's not consumable, and it's not good enough, ultimately, Michael. Right, well, well, this uh, began, or was supposed to have begun on the 21st of July. Uh, undoubtedly, some of uh, the work uh, that was planned didn't happen because uh, the people uh, in those areas uh, that you have been speaking to uh, are only complaining about it this weekend. But it's to go on until the 14th of September, isn't it? Yeah, the, what I understand happened to the, the outlying areas, and this, the Dunlop supply is huge, it stretches the whole oh. way into Midlouth, and that the outlying areas were done first. Um, and like this isn't a week or two later. These were actually uh, over the last you know uh, few uh, months since June. Really, was the start of the, the the first program. The most recent announcement on the twenty first of July was closer to the lockdown. So other areas like uh, Black Rock or Miskin um, had actually been scheduled to take place back in in, in June and 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 early July. Mm. Uh, what what have Irish Water done in terms of general communication? Look, from what I can see, and ultimately it's public reps who are posting it online, and that's where we're getting so much uh, reaction because people are seeing this happen and then they're, they're seeing on social media um, they're, they're identifying with it. Ultimately, the, the Irish Water are issuing their, their, their announcements. Um, but I, I have a wider question on, on the whole management of the, of the network. And if this is something that should be happening year-wide, is it a question of resources? Is it a question otherwise? as to why it's not happening all year round, as opposed to just in one block uh, through the summer. But if we did have this mm. last summer uh, across the Dundalk. Well, it's something to do with magnesia, apparently. Uh, they flush uh, the pipes uh, to get rid of the magnesia sediment and reduce the likelihood of future discoloration issues when it comes out your tap. 
Uh, and the flushing of the pipes, they say, is essential. It's part of an overall action plan to address discoloration issues associated with high magnesia. Uh, but it, it's having the opposite <laughs> impact, obviously, while they do the flushing. Uh, they also say that um, they found high levels of magnesia in the source water that feeds into Cavan Hill Water Treatment Plant. I take it it has to be done, John. To, to a point, Michael, but um, something has to be going wrong, and if this is happening um, consistently, and I, I think even um, throughout the last year, there's been um, at different ends of the network, uh, this appears to, uh, to, to have actually been taking place. So I don't think necessarily it's just a seasonal issue. Mm. Um, I would even question in, in the summer months, summer months, the conservant water uh, to have vast quantities of, of water just gushing out. Yeah. Uh, seems very counterintuitive. And I would also say, Michael, because we've had related issues in relation to boil water notices. Mm. Um, so I give one example of the Talonstown network um, is to be added into the Dundalk uh, supply. Um, you know, that's further increasing the volume coming out of Dundalk. We also have issues around the boil water notice for 10 days earlier this month in, in Dunleer, in an estate in Dunleer. And I do not consume notice last December in Dunleer. So there's a whole series of, of issues that require capital attention, I think, here. Um, and it's certainly something I'll keep following up. Just ultimately, yeah. end users need clean drinking water, and that's, um, I think that's perfectly acceptable for people to, uh, to expect. Well, yeah, then uh, you're probably going to have to replace the pipes. Uh, I, I mean, uh, it may seem reasonable, but uh, I'm not sure that it's realistic. Uh, I mean, they're talking about some of the pipes being 100 years old, old cast iron pipes uh, that uh, corrode. Uh, and yeah. the, as they corrode, they discolour the water. They say it's not harmful to drink that, but, you know, that's what happens. So in order to take the discoloration out, because people aren't going to feel very happy about drinking brown water, even if they're told it's safe, they flush the pipes to get rid of the brown colour so that the uh, iron that has gone into the water is flushed away and then you've got clear water again. No, and, 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 and in, in, in fairness, in Hallamstown, where we had a boil water notice for a couple of months in 2019, um, they actually have in the last 12 months they've actually replaced those old cast iron pipes uh, with new pipes so look there is um, some good work actually happening in, 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 in some areas in but obviously you know, more does need to be done and, and at the end of the day people do expect clean drinking water and um, you know in whatever way flushing can happen um, it just it does seem very counterintuitive yeah, and uh, ultimately it's not satisfactory right. people, you know does that make the case for water charges um, I think that might be a different pattern. No, 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 no. No, you yeah. see, therein lies the problem, doesn't it? You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And, 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 and We leave it there, John. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Fianna Fáil councillor in Louth, John Sheridan. Now let's uh, go to Slane. And Dermot Wogan is on the line. And uh, a very good morning to you, Dermot. And thanks uh, indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, you were out uh, with uh, your wife on Thursday doing a, a bit of shopping parked up in Kennedy Place. Tell us what happened to you. Yeah, well, first of all, <clears throat> thanks very much for having me on the show, uh, Michael. Oh, you're welcome. And as far as um, stories are concerned, this is not very important compared to some of the things I hear on your show. I'm but not anyhow, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's just, um, mm. I was, we were doing the shopping on Torsa, which we always do in, in, in Navin. Mm. Uh, I dropped my wife off in Kennedy Place. She goes in to do the shopping. I wait for a space to become available. I drive into the space, put the ticket on the on the windscreen and go in and give my wife a hand to finish the shop and come out 
cut the stuff in the car and go home. Mm. Now, on Thursday, that was the same ritual we do. We've been doing it for years and years and years. But when I came out on Thursday, uh, there was a traffic warden there issuing me with a <coughs> fixed charge uh, notice. And I said to him, I thought it was because... Um, I thought it was because I had outstayed my, yeah. my time limit on the on the ticket, but it wasn't. It was because I had parked a car in an irregular fashion. Mm. And um, I, I find it, um, I said it to him, I actually lost the cool. I said it to him, so you have little to do now, I says, to be to be issuing me, both of us are, are pensioners, with a, with, with a 40 euro fine. If, if, you, if there's only barely, if the, the left rear wheel was just on the white line and no more. Really? And I was trying to... The, the problem is out there now in Nav, and I don't know whether everybody is aware of this or not, but it's extremely difficult to park the car properly with the new roadworks there is in Kennedy on Kennedy Road. Mm. You have to go in at an angle. And I drove in... When the person at BK had the, the space for me, I drove in at an angle. But I wasn't able to drive in straight. It was impossible for me to drive in straight. Mm. I had to drive in at an angle, and it was the, definitely the left rear wheel was definitely on the white line. There's no question about that. Right, yeah. When I came out, when I came back, back out, mm. then maybe a quarter of an hour later, both the vehicles on either side of me had gone, so the, the traffic warden wouldn't have been aware of the of the difficulty I had in parking originally. He, he called it a regular parking. You had to park regularly, if you like, because you were forced to because of the way the other cars were parked. That's the, that. The, right. It's, it's a kind of a it's a kind of a knock-on offence. Yeah, a, well, we, we have all seen that. There just isn't the space. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm I sure I, I'm sure you don't mind me saying, Dermot, you're not a novice driver, I'm sure. No, no, it is not. No, no. You, you're actually, well able to park your car, like. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, there's, no, there's yeah. no problem that way there. It's just the way things are out there and now, and I don't know whether you're familiar with it now or not, it's, it's the way things are in Kennedy Place now, mm. it's extremely difficult to get parking properly. Mm. And, and, and at the best of times. At the best of times, it's hard, but now it's it's extremely difficult because it's it's the the spaces has been reduced significantly. Mm. Uh, but uh, he, I had a I had a I, I suppose you call it a confrontation, right? Uh, uh, with him, and I said to him, and that he he had little to do, and he sent then for a supervisor, mm. and the supervisor came along with a lady, and uh, I, she had the same thing. She said you can appeal it if you want it. Now I have the fixed notice thing with me here it's a it's a yoke it's a piece of paper two foot long three inches wide written in irish and english on both sides of the paper right. and it's the, the the main thing about it is it just tells you how to pay the 40 euros yeah it's very very difficult to find out how you can make an appeal all right yeah. I, did, I, I did eventually find it all right yeah uh, you can download a qr scanner well now i have no idea what that is but um also, you can visit uh, Mead Auburn Customer dot net, which I did on Thursday evening to see could I. Ah, uh, yeah, but sure. It. But sure, I lost. Sure. I lost. I wasn't able yeah. to do it. I got so far with it uh, online. I got so far online, yeah. and then I got bogged down. Can you not just knock in somewhere and talk to somebody? Well, I rang the Mead County Council on Friday morning, mm. and I was talking to a girl, and I told her the story. She said she was sending me out an appeal form mm. and I'll probably get it today or tomorrow in the, in the post um, I'm told I don't know whether you have my email in front of you there I'm mm. told I'm wasting my time because mm. it's a private company that are just there to make as much money as they can and there's no discretion or anything allowed 
And I just wondered, the, the man, the, the, the warden, I wonder is he on a bonus for for the number of people he can get uh, mm. for 40? I don't, I'm only well, I, that, I right? don't I don't know, but uh, I mean, you'd make a, a lot of money if uh, you were to fine everybody who had bit of their tyre on the white line in the parking well, space. I, I, you see it all the time. I tried to I, I tried to send mm. the, the pho- I took a photograph and I tried to send it to the girl there in, in your office there yeah. a few minutes ago, but it wouldn't it wouldn't go through for some right. reason or other. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I, I tried it. Well, that's good that you ha- that's good that you have the photograph. Uh, well, I have the photograph. Yeah. But, mm. um, it, it, no, there doesn't seem to be any discretion at all once they issue. Once once they issue it, the machine yeah. has a record of it, and they yeah. can't undo that. Yeah. You yeah. have that's to appeal way, it. Yeah. That's the way it appears to me, anyhow. Yeah. No, I think that's always the way. I remember. Uh, years ago I got a, a parking fine in Navin uh, and I couldn't believe it because I'd paid the uh, charge, uh, the ticket in the front and I thought what on earth happened there uh, and I went down to the council at the time and right. it was just it was just that I had put the ticket in upside down so when the warden oh, came right, along yes. they couldn't see that I had paid the parking oh, uh, right. but, but that was straightforward went up to a, a nice woman as I remembered in the office and said look I had paid my parking no problem yeah. and refunded me and that was the end of that like uh, but this, this is a different thing the, the, the photo I think would be very important for you Dermot the real point I'm really making is yeah. it's extremely difficult to make an appeal yeah it's, 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 it, you have to go through and most people will just park out the 40 yeah. years and be done with it well there should be signs there should be signs up I would think uh, well, I don't know whether there's signs up yeah. or not I can't mm. tell you that I do put, always put the ticket on the I do always put the ticket on the car anyway. yeah. as soon as as soon as I get parked and I put the ticket on the car. Yeah, well, it, it, se- another, it, it seems to be a, a, po- a polka parking seemed to be the company that run uh, the parking there in Kennedy. Yeah, I don't Place. know that now. I, yeah. can't, I can't comment on that. But yeah. uh, there was another woman there and she was distressed. And he was after, now I can't, uh, I'm not sure about this. And I went over to her and I says, what's wrong? Uh, that warden, he, she says, is after, mm. he's after issuing me with an issue for... for uh, the tax was out of date, mm. and she says it's 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 four days. It was the fourth of August, yeah, yeah, and it was out of date from the thirty first of July. Yeah, but yeah. now I can't comment on that. I'm only going. No, to well, and uh, and in fairness, the warden uh, has a job to do and his page to do the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. But we 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 we've made contact with a polka parking, and we're waiting for a response from them. We've emailed them, and we're waiting for a response. So. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to get at least a response of nothing else for you. No, I'm just thinking it was a bit over the top now. Do you know what I mean? And we're yeah. both now, we're both pensioners. I, I, well, you paid your parking and, and, and it's cut, whatever the parking was, two or three euro, it's now 42 or 43 euro. Yeah, well, I went, uh, just to uh, finish on this, yeah. uh, like uh, myself, my wife got her knee replaced recently and I got my hip replaced. So it was quite difficult for us to get in and out of the car anyhow at the best of time. Yeah. And I said that to the, to the supervisor when she came along and she made, I don't know exactly what she said, and I don't know whether she was trying to help me or what, but she yeah. said we should apply for a for a, 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 a wheelchair uh, pass. Ah, but she sure wouldn't get one. Yeah. No, I wouldn't try it. I said, yeah, yeah, I yeah, say it's yeah, not that yeah, bad. Like, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Listen, thanks very yeah, much. Yeah, well, the, yeah, well, well. I hope the hip replacement is working for you. Is it? <laughs> oh, that's working dead. Well, that's, uh, they're great. Yeah. Uh, you get them at hipreplacement.com, I think. <laughs> Good luck, Dermot. Right, thanks very much. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's uh, Dermot Wogan speaking to us uh, from Slane. 
Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Uh, to that uh, dark cloud uh, that is hanging over the jobs at Premier Perry Glaze, Willie Quigley, Regional Officer with the United Trade Union, joins us today. Good morning to you, Willie, uh, and thank you indeed uh, for taking the time uh, to speak to us uh, again on the programme uh, this morning. We heard uh, that uh, some of your members have been put on notice. What can you tell us? Morning, Michael. Yes, uh, it's very, very concerning that, that, that this development has come around so soon after the the High Court um, approved the, the, the plan put forward in terms of uh, exiting the examinership. Um, and that plan, as I told LMSM at the time, uh, included a shedding of 50% of the jobs, which was very disappointing mm. as part of the survival plan. But nevertheless, uh, the union had nothing in its sights all along other than the continuation and the survival of the of the company in, in Drogheda, one way or the other. So while it was disappointing that the plan included that shedding of jobs, nevertheless, there was some delight with uh, the, the commitment for fresh investment Mm. And, 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 and hope that the jobs would be restored uh, when yes. gas in eight, was... in 18 months potentially yeah. when the, the reset would happen over mm. that period of time and apparently that was the reason they said that um, the jobs needed to go the X amount because they didn't require that amount for the changing over process to renewable energy mm. but the, a big factor in that it would appear also was the, the commitment to fresh investment now with this announcement last week uh, you know, it, it raises the question in terms of where is the fresh investment, where has it gone, has it been invested, and um, what is the company doing in, in regard to the commitments they made or was made on their behalf in the High Court in order to get the plan approved. Mm. So, it, to me, it seems that um, when the, I suppose, the completion of the reduction of 50%, uh, has happened that the company has moved immediately to attack the other 50% and declare that uh, the plant is unviable. But that's not what was said in the court, it would appear, because uh, I'm sure the, the, the High Court judge, in fairness to uh, the High Court, uh, made their decisions based on hard facts presented. Yeah. But in the communication... Well, it was May, wasn't it? I mean, it's not like we're talking about... It was the 20th of May. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. over two months ago, mm. but in the communication that was sent to the union, uh, the company spoke of the ongoing war and the energy crisis. Now, there was no uh, declaration, as I understand this, in the court approval, that left it dependent upon anything to do with, for instance, the war ceasing immediately, or, for instance, the gas prices dropping immediately or energy prices dropping immediately. There was nothing dependent upon that. Mm. And yet, this is what the company talks about. And they talk about the, the escalating issues with gas supply. And they are saying that that means the company cannot continue to trade. But my question is, uh, where is the investment uh, that was promised in yeah. the court? And, and what the, are they the, doing? I mean... <laughs> You know, are they, are, they close, are they closing the plant down? Well, it, it, it seems, going by the communications, that when the exercise of the 30 days consultation is over, every person in the company that remains in the company will be issued with their redundancy notice. And then uh, that, what? That doesn't uh, go well yeah. or, or give much optimism on behalf of the company as to find an alternative. 
but but aside from looking for alternatives, yeah, I think the first there's there's two two serious questions that there, that has to be answered by somebody, and we have officials in this morning for a meeting later on, and I'm sure this will be teased out, and I wouldn't want to preempt anything there. But the reality is, was fresh investment promised, committed to the court in order for the court to make the decision they made? Has that been invested? And if not, why not? So if it hasn't, that's a reneging on the commitment given to the court. And then, aside from that being part of uh, the court judgment, the court judgment in overall uh, granted the, the, the plan on the basis that the, the plant was going to continue as an ongoing production unit. Yeah. So those things are now, it seems to me, being disposed of by the company, mm. and they are saying we can't continue. And so the, d- d- the government TDs, uh, to me, I haven't heard any of the local government TDs uh, or the local TDs that are in Grumbut presently uh, come out on this uh, last week or over the weekend. And, and that is not good uh, because I do believe the government cannot be left off the hook here. They have to see... Uh, the company's communication went to the Department uh, of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. <coughs> I'm sure that department is well aware of the survival plan and they should be asking questions. So, to me, the government must insist uh, or investigate uh, what has happened to the uh, plan approved by the court. They must investigate about the investment promised. And I think they must insist that uh, the the court-approved plan should be carried out Mm. and insisted upon its implementation. Okay. Uh, Can I just ask you before we conclude, uh, what's your understanding uh, of what the company is planning after the 30-day period. Uh, you said everybody is going to be made redundant. Production will stop. Uh, uh, is it their intention? It, it, does it continue to be their intention to change the system for powering the plant to move away from gas to renewables and reopen in 18 months? Uh, well, so Michael, if their communication... Uh, I, I have said to you what the company has said in the communication, that after 30 days, everybody will, will be uh, issued with the redundancy notice. That's the company statement. So I'm just referencing that. But, uh, you know, I didn't have confidence or very much confidence all along in what has happened. But very, very happy that the court did approve the plan. But, you know, going back a long time, going back a number of years, I had a feeling that there was more of a willingness to run down the plant than to invest in it. And I haven't changed from that. But at, at the moment, you know, the, the company sought the protection of the court. They got it and they got a plan approved. Mm. I think there has to be an insistence now by government or some sort of a, you know, a review into why is the company doing what they're doing at the, mo- at the minute after getting this approval from the High Court. That, that, yeah. You know, the, the government can't sit out. Two, two months ago, as you say. Yeah. But the absence yeah. of any commentary in the communication from the company about the investment, was it made, was it not made, the plans for the future, etc. The, the absence of any of that type of commentary is, is very, very concerning. And it doesn't, to me, looking in, it doesn't bode well for what the company planned to do. Okay, Willie, we leave there for the moment. Uh, obviously, we'll return to this in the no coming problem. days. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, it's uh, Willie Quigley, regional officer with uh, the United Trade Union. 
Michael Reed on LMFM. The arrival of 44,000 people seeking refuge from the war in Ukraine in this country has been a massive challenge. It's one that's going to get all the greater going into the autumn. Let's speak now to John Lannan, who's the CEO of Duras. A very good morning to you, John, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. It seems as though there's fewer places for people and there will be more people looking for places in uh, the weeks and months ahead uh, with 3,000 people being told they'll have to leave uh, their accommodation uh, in student uh, accommodation where they are at the moment. Uh, The government looking to organisations like uh, the GAA to see if they can help out and it's uh, not the right time of the year at all for that to happen. Uh, Are are you concerned about what's coming down the track? Absolutely, yes. Um, The situation appears likely to worsen rather than improve. As you said, student accommodation contracts will be expiring Um, at the end of of August. The government is now looking at very short-term options like tented accommodation, and they're going to become unsuitable as we go into the autumn and and winter. Um, And we have concerns about just the the welfare, the health, the safety, the well-being of people in those emergency and short-term settings. Um, So we we do need to see some um, planning now. We we need to know what it is that government plans to do to address this accommodation crunch that they've got right now. I'm not sure if you'd agree, but I I think uh, the appeal to the GAA sounded like desperation. Yes, I mean it's 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 been hugely positive to see the level of um, response, of positive response across the country from ordinary people, from communities, from everybody to people arriving from Ukraine. As you say, the request that has gone to the the GA and to other sporting bodies is coming at a bad time. Mm. It's it's also um, reflective of the sort of ongoing focus on very short-term responses rather than looking for a you know, plan as to what the longer term, the mid to long term response is, is going to be. Or any effort in that respect uh, has been unsuccessful, it seems. Uh, the Irish Times reporting last week uh, about a, a trawl by each government department to find uh, places that could be used uh, as accommodation. Very few came back. Uh, there was a bizarre story uh, that Jack Horgan Jones reported on uh, about uh, the Gaeltacht development body, Udras Nagaeltacht, uh, saying that they might have some property for Irish speakers only. Um, yes, I mean, they, they are, as you say, you know, trawling and trying to find um, immediate accommodation in, in any shape or form. But um, th- there's a need, like, if. if we, we had, first of all, somebody um, who's coordinating this, you know, as Doris, as part of the Ukraine Civil Society Forum, has been calling for the appointment and resourcing of a national lead for Ireland's refugee response now for, for quite a while. We've also been calling for the housing agency to be mandated to develop a medium-term plan for the housing of, of, of refugees. We do need to continue to look at other um, options like the the, the ongoing pledging of accommodation from the 
public. Um, there, there are still lots of vacant units around the country. We need to be looking at incentivizing people to use their holiday homes after the, the, the summer holidays. So th- there, there isn't one easy solution to this, as as we know, and, and we certainly acknowledge and recognise the challenge that the Department of Children has in this regard. Um, but mm. one of the problems is that the Department of Children are largely left on their own, scrambling to find short-term accommodation as people continue to arrive. Yeah, and uh, when we saw people go to Gormanston a, a few weeks ago, we were told that a, a, another centre would be set up uh, on the lines of City West. Has that happened? Yes, yeah, so, so that is in process. There are a number of things that, that are happening. As, as people continue to arrive in, we know that City West is, sort of, you know, it, it reaches capacity and then it um, people... Mm do get moved on as 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 other accommodation is is available we we also have to bear in mind that the number of international protection applicants from other parts of the world is significantly higher than what was expected mm. this year and 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 they too are in sort of a, a desperate situation when it comes to accommodation um tents have been erected um already for for them um for example, outside um, the Nakhlishin Direct Provision mm-hmm. Centre in Limerick. Um, so it, this, again, you know, from a, any point of view is, is unsatisfactory, you know, and it's unacceptable that we would, you know, be thinking about using tents. We understand that as an immediate kind of very short-term option, it, it may be necessary, but we certainly need to be moving people on from those tents before much time goes mm. by. Yeah, um, the trial done by the government departments uh, seemed to deliver little or nothing. Uh, they were talking about um, some harbour master cottages that were in poor repair or marriage quarters in old guard stations and things like that. But there wasn't any significant buildings uh, that were mentioned uh, in the articles that I saw in the Irish Times last week. Um, there was talk of Bagot Street Hospital being used uh, and I, I, I thought a, a second city west, I thought that was going to be another hotel along the same lines. Um, and as we go into September, uh, I think that the 3,000 people who have to leave the student accommodation will have to do so uh, pretty much all together at the same time. It'll be a sudden uh, surge of, of people in need of, of housing. Um, do you think that we're going to have serious problems or do you think that we have the wherewithal to solve these problems? Well, I mean, the, the first thing is, I guess, is that we, we have quite rightly committed to providing temporary protection to anybody who needs to get out of Ukraine and because of the war there we're continuing or we should continue to meet our obligations to to um, people who need to seek international protection here from, from other countries. I mean we we can do this, you know, we're we're mindful of the fact that, you know, this accommodation crisis been faced by refugees comes on top of a housing crisis that we've already had in this country. Mm. There are systemic structural issues that need to be addressed there in relation to that. But um, refugees didn't cause the housing crisis. Mm. They're certainly suffering the the brunt of it in terms of of now having to live in in tents and and other unsuitable and substandard accommodations. So we, we, we are looking, and they are looking, as we know as well, at 
you know, the, the erection of um, modular villages. Yeah. Other, some other options are being considered, but we really do need to see, as I said, you know, um, m- more um, focused attention to to this. We need to get out of the cycle where the government and the department are in continual crisis management situation and find, you know, a more structured, medium-term approach. You know, we need the appointment of a national lead mandating the housing agency. We also need to establish a refugee agency at this point, and this goes back to recommendations in the White Paper on ending direct provision. Okay, John, we have to leave it there. We're out of time, but thank you indeed for your time and for joining us on the programme today. That's John Ladin, who's uh, the CEO of Duras. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.